This is The Building Code. We're back. Third episode in a row, Charlie. Third episode. They somehow, for some reason, brought us back. We're just going to keep going until they say we can't. Until somebody kicks us out of this studio, uh, we will be permanent interim co-hosts of The Building Code. This is getting quite the title. We're the assistant to the senior manager of podcasts, and we report to the executive podcast, chief executive podcast strategist producer. And today we have an exciting topic where we're going to be talking about ADUs with Whitney Hill. Charlie, what do you know about ADUs, man? Do you know anything? Have you heard of an ADU? Before today, I knew absolutely zero about ADUs. Um, (laughs) They're now my new favorite thing. I spent about four hours today actually prepping for this. If this was cryptocurrency and ADU, you'd be all in. I'd be all over it. (laughs) But uh, no, yeah, we have Whitney Hill here with Snap ADU, uh, one of the premier um, ADU builders. Um, in the nation, uh, specifically out in San Diego. Uh, Whitney, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got to be where you're at right now. Thanks so much. Happy to be here and happy to share the story of how we got into accessory dwelling units. So I was actually doing renovations on the East Coast uh, remotely while living in San Diego, doing some high-end flips in the greater New York City area. So my exposure to builder trends started back there. Uh, I was working with a small general contractor there to partner on deals. Um, Meanwhile, moved out to San Diego, though, and was excited to read about some of the regulation changes that you uh, no doubt were reading about. A lot easier to build an ADU in the last 18 months or so. Um, So we realized once regulations were lifted, the real bottleneck would be construction capacity. And ADUs are an interesting asset class because um, it's infill development. Um, but at the same time, it can be a lot of new construction. So we figured this was a space that would probably be too small for a very large developer to take, but probably too big for someone to serve well if it was just a small mom and pop. So I had my eye out for um, someone I could partner with and um, you know, someone who had a, had a construction business was already excited about ADUs. I came across that person. <laughs> it was Mike Moore, Moore Construction, and he'd been running his um, small operation um, for about seven years. So our skill sets aligned really nicely, and um, we've been collaborating on what became Snap ADU for just over a year, and we've grown his business tenfold in that time by focusing exclusively on getting to be the best possible builder of granny flats in San Diego. Interesting. So I'm curious about that when you're looking at the growth and the model. Is there a reason the market is so hot in ADU specifically? Absolutely. Um, so it's a number of things. One, there's just the underlying housing shortage, which means folks are always looking for opportunities um, to add units to their property, either for family members mm-hmm. to uh, be able to move in at a price point that's reasonable or to generate rental income. Um, so that's one factor. And then, as I mentioned, the regulations have made it considerably easier to add an accessory dwelling unit to every residential lot. Um, pretty much by right, unless you were in some very specific overlay zone in the coastal zone on hillside or some unique situation. Except for those, you're pretty much able to build an ADU on any lot that has a single family home. Um, And that can be between 400 up to 1200 square feet. So you can actually fit a four bedroom, three bath home in 1200 square feet. So you can actually get quite a bit in there. Um, you know, we're building typically um, a one or two bedroom uh, unit between 500 and 750 square feet. But for folks who are truly moving their granny <laughs> into the granny plot, we, we see folks building really nice 1200 square foot units that have a lot of space and it becomes a new home um, for someone who's perhaps downsized and wants to be closer to their family. 
That's super interesting. You touched on a couple key things there. So I actually just purchased a home, my first time home buyer. Uh, I closed on Friday, fired up. Congrats. Thank you. Um, and so I was telling Zach about that. I'm like, man, ADUs, I'm going to have to build one in my backyard. <laughs> he's he's already tearing a- down his detached garage. <laughs> yeah. He's got a hammer. Day one, I'm going out there. But he, you know, he brought up the same thing that you said there uh, with the regulations and kind of some of the changes. Maybe just before we dive too far deeper into this episode, if you could give like a quick high level um, rundown of kind of what some of those regulation changes were and how that kind of benefited, you know, what you guys were doing as a company and what you wanted to do as a company. Sure, would be happy to. Um, so my partner, Mike, had already kind of started to build some of these um, over the years, even before some of the regulation changes went through. So he kind of knew about them um, as, a, as a class, but the, the specific changes, um, there's no minimum lot size requirement now um, based on the state legislation. So um, that that's taken out of the equation. Additionally, the setbacks required have been reduced. So there's a there's a four foot side and rear setback requirement where you can build up to an 850 square foot one bedroom ADU or a 1000 square foot two bedroom ADU. Um, so given those generous um, requirements on you know no lot size minimum and then you know pretty reduced setbacks and in some jurisdictions it's even lower. Um, the city of San Diego itself has gone to zero foot setbacks for ADUs. So you can actually go all the way up to that lot line. Um, so given that, even a very small property can fit um, an ADU now, whereas they couldn't before. Um, the other important changes have been that a lot of the parking requirements have been waived. You can also convert your garage to an ADU. And at this point, you don't have to offer any replacement parking uh, when you really? do that. Um, it's, it's in line with a lot of the other regulation that's been passed that's, um, that's kind of encouraging uh, folks to use other, other methods of transit. So that applies in areas that are near public transit. Um, and then also importantly on fees, um, most of the impact fees have been uh, waived with uh, regard to developing ADUs below 750 square feet. Um, there's still around $10 a square foot um, in fees that we tell our clients to budget for, but previously it would you know cost $20,000, $30,000 to get these things permitted and you know now it's much lower than that. Um, and then finally, uh, a lot of the local uh, control and HOA control um, has become less of a factor. So the state regulations override a lot of what the local um, government can say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's making it um, possible to build ADUs where it just wasn't um, even a consideration before. Interesting. So is this a trend in San Diego that a lot of builders are following or are you guys kind of the pioneers out in the market? I'd say a lot of builders are doing this. Um, I would say we have really gone all in on it. Um, this is all we build at this point. Um, a lot of folks will have an arm that, that does accessory dwelling units um, or might partner with with um, some of the feasibility companies that will look into what you can build on your property. We felt there needed to be an integrated solution for a design build contractor that could take someone through the entire process. Um, because frankly, we were seeing folks get things um, designed that were too expensive to build. Um, so our background, you know, given Mike's uh, history with more construction, is in custom homes. So these are, you know, we know how to build quality products. And what we've really been honing over the last 18 months is how to deliver a quality product that's somewhat standardized so that we can realize some economies of scale and offer a better price. And more importantly, with COVID now, also avoid some of the stockouts and supply chain issues. So we're trying to standardize the windows, doors, um, even standard uh, shower inserts to make sure that we're working with our suppliers to know which stock keeping units are always are always available, or at least mostly available. Right. So that that's an interesting combination that you, you've kind of touched on there with the custom home building background and kind of trying to standardize some of that processes uh, over the past 18 months, as you mentioned. 
what does that kind of transition look like? Um, where's Snap ADU at now? Maybe just like, you know, how many jobs are you doing? How many employees? What's kind of like your team structure and setup look like? Sure. Um, at this point, we are signing six to eight contracts a month. So we're on track to nice. build 75 ADUs in the next 12 months. We have 30 live jobs right now. Um, wow. And it's uh, not an overstatement to say this would not be possible without Builder Trend. Hey, um, so we didn't even little, ask her to say yeah, that. Unpaid ad. <laughs> you didn't have to. I, I promote Builder Trend all the time. Heck yeah. We love that. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of give a quick history of how we evolved because I think that's always something that's like ambiguous when you're thinking about what to do with your project management. Who do I even hire first? How do I structure this? Yeah. So when we joined forces, um, Mike's uh, Mike's construction company was um, himself, his his main project manager, and then a field crew of four framers and finished carpenters. Um, and then when he and I joined forces, we immediately brought on a dedicated um, head of sales who handles all of our inbound leads. Um, and then we also very quickly brought on a head um, project coordinator who as soon as jobs are converted, um, as soon as leads are converted to jobs, shepherds that process through until we're ready to build. Um, so then we hired two more project managers. So today we have seven employees of SNAP ADU plus our field crew, and we rely heavily on independent contractor labor for things like marketing, HR, finance. <laughs> So we don't bring those in-house. We, we partner very closely with the right uh, contractors for that. So just to recap on what our structure is now, we have Mike and I are co-founders. He's he's now heading up finance and fuel ops. I'm heading up business development and operations. I have then sales and uh, project coordination reporting to me. So that's our sales manager and our head project coordinator. And then Mike has his three project managers um, reporting to him. So we've been able to scale without really scaling our um, W-2 workforce, you could say, right. because as we've started building out our systems in Builder Trend, it's forced us to uh, develop repeatable models, which can then be handed off to, to um, kind of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, cheaper, <laughs> cheaper labor, frankly, because once you have the playbook, you can look to something like Upwork to find independent contractors to just run those processes for you. I'm like tearing up over here. Yeah, I know. Just how beautiful your processes are. I mean, that's what we talk about a lot at Builder Trend when you're talking to our reps and stuff. It's like, how do you how do you outline your business? How do you like who reports to who? How do you do the handoffs? And and I know obviously a lot of companies are successful in doing that, but hearing how you were a really small company and you've grown so quickly, it just shows you the power of like laying out those procedures can go and helping even just beyond software, but business processes. That's just absolutely incredible. Thank you. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head that from the beginning, we were thinking about what that growth would look like. We you know at the beginning, it felt like, why are we building this massive, you know, cumbersome system when you could just email somebody, right? Because <laughs> right. in the beginning, you can handle it all. And then, you know, you have to think ahead though, that like we, we couldn't take this up 10X or 100X doing it like that. And we kind of had that mentality from the beginning. Yeah. So like how much of your, like what percentage of your projects, I guess, would you say are, are templated out um, and kind of rinse and repeat? Or what are some of the different kinds of ADUs that you're building? Because obviously BuilderTrend has, you know, the template feature where you can go through and get a lot of that stuff pre-input um, and just kind of copy and paste to different jobs. Uh, would you say that's something you guys are kind of taking advantage of? Um, or is each one a little bit different there? We're 100% taking advantage of templates. At this point, our job stand-up process is not handled by our project coordinator. It's 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 in our back back office support is what I'll call it. Um, right. And we actually utilize. Um, I love this that we're able to do this in today's world. We are um, off our uh, back office support is in Ukraine, <laughs> so they're working really? overnight to do things like job stand-ups for us. 
So that's 100% just copying over a template that has a linked schedule, all the purchase orders, the owner invoices, the to-dos, everything is coming over. Then our key team members review what's actually in there before it's released to a subcontractor, before it's released to a client. So we're focusing our team members that are actually W2 employees of SNAP, we're focusing their efforts on those high value interactions. So if it's a repeatable task that you could basically do a video to explain to someone and someone can follow that procedure, we aren't doing that. Um, we want to be involved when it's a conversation with the client to, to weigh trade-offs or we're reviewing plans and we're thinking about cost versus benefit of different designs. So we're trying to make sure that our employees are handling only high value interactions and not spinning their wheels doing stuff that we could have someone else handle. Did you find it difficult to transition from give your customers whatever they want to kind of like this is the choices that you have to make and I'm sure you have some flexibility but I've just had many conversations with builders where we used to let them have everything and we kind of took it away and, and can you speak to that experience for you for yourself oh, yes it's a huge learning curve I would actually say that um, our head of sales has to deal with that more than anyone sure. uh, as we've refined our focus we're saying no you know we're, we're 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 trying to be helpful we're always trying to help the client but we're turning them um over to a different contractor who does want those jobs so at this point we've honed our focus such that we're not doing renovation work for adus we're doing standalone work only new construction because it's extremely controllable and to your point can be templated out um, with the garage conversion, there's so many variables because you're dealing with existing construction, um, an existing footprint, um, and there's just too many unknowns and too much handholding. However, there are some contractors here who love those jobs, so we are very happy to send those over to that contractor. So that transition, you know, at first it feels limiting to set those kinds of boundaries. It feels scary because you're turning away work, right? Who wants to do that? But at some point, once you really refined what your goal is and who your target client is, then you're, you're refining the message that resonates with those leads. And suddenly it's a much higher interact, it's a higher quality interaction. So that we're probably seeing fewer, uh, we're probably sending out fewer proposals, but our, our close rate is much higher right. because we're um, really you know serving those clients that we wanna be serving. It's a good product for them, right? Um, but knowing where to draw that line on custom versus standard is something we constantly debate weekly, maybe daily. Um, and so we'll, you know, continue to review those as a team, trying to make sure we have the right players in the room to take into account the sales perspective, the build perspective, the design perspective, but to really just hit the sweet spot of almost like a semi-custom model because it's totally reasonable and, you know, expected. Clients are going to want to have some customization. Right. So how can you make it easy for them to make choices within a constrained set of options? Yeah, it's so funny to hear you talk, like Zach and I talk about this all the time is like, businesses that we talk to on the podcast and then on-site consulting, they face the same exact challenges that we face here at Builder Trend. <laughs> so like yes. selling to the right people, uh, making sure, you know, turning away sales, but getting a higher close rate and things like that. It's like, man, if we could just listen to and learn from the people that we sell our products to and run businesses, you know, smart, not bashing Builder Trend on the Builder Trend You're podcast just gonna, on right the, On the pod. Yeah. Go but, after Josh Kaiser, put him on blast, huh? Yeah. If Josh Kaiser <laughs> listens to this podcast, well, I know he can call me out on that one for sure. He's but, our chief revenue officer. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree, Charlie. The sophistication that these construction companies have, I mean, they are incredible from a a process standpoint, but it takes time for people to get to that point too. Like, you know, Whitney talked about it, you know, that's not how they started. And that's where Builder Trend can come in and help them see that plan and, and bring it all together. 
you know, Whitney, you're you're a pretty good user of Builder Trend. We were looking at your 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 reports and our back end data and like your team and their usage rate and Charlie, you know, we have ways to kind of just like look at you and be like, they're a good user. Here's the metrics behind it. It was really impressive, but I also noticed you use a lot of our other services as well. You use our online payment system, or at least you have in the past. We built your website. Um, as far as those like added features, those pro services, um, why did you decide to go with us over say another third party contender? Is it, you know, was it because you trust Builder Trend or, or what was that auditing process? Look, what does that look like? Yeah, I'll start with the website. Um, so in the East Coast flipping business, um, that was when I first had exposure to it. And frankly, it was like an easy thing to try because the the payment model with Builder Trend websites makes it easy to say yes. <laughs> so it felt like low risk. And then after I saw how easy and beautiful that was, and I should caveat that like, I'm, I would say I'm, I'm just like experienced enough to be dangerous in like the web design space. I'm the person who's like, oh, I can do it. This will be fine. And I'm up till 3 a.m. So like, <laughs> right. I kind of know like what's going on, but like not enough to be great at it. So. I'm definitely going to steal that motto. Yeah. Just experienced <laughs> enough to be dangerous. I love that. <laughs> so, you know, after that first experience with it um, and, you know, you end up with this very like what looks to be a very custom website and we constantly would get um, strong feedback on that. And that was when I was building you know, high-end high custom homes outside of New York. Um, so I already knew that like the, the uh, I guess, distilled version of WordPress that Builder Trend uses to build those was something that we could very easily ramp up again. So when it came time to um, ramp up Snap, my partner, Mike, out here already had a website going. He had somebody, you know, working with it. I was like, Mike, I hate to tell you this. I know you just did this, but we need to do our website with Builder Trends. <laughs> um, and so luckily he ran with that. And we were very quickly able to get up again, like a very flexible, but not overwhelming um, interface. And honestly, I would say almost daily, we get comments on how, how informative the website is, how easy it is to navigate. And from folks who know what they're talking about, as far as usability for us, um, the integration of the contact form um, that's part of the, the website with Builder Trends lead management system, that's indispensable. Um, so we've now got this flow, we've had a flow, that was the first thing we set up actually was our CRM when we first went live um, with Builder Trends with SnapAU. Um, we wanted to automate that flow. We didn't want somebody manually entering leads. We wanted to be able to have full transparency on had that lead been handled. All that's possible with that web integration. Um, so it just cut out immediately so many steps and made it, uh, you know, put it on autopilot. You want to take as many um, steps as you can out of the hands of folks that are actually going to be uh, managing the process. You know, automate as much as you possibly can. And so to me, that integration with the website was a no-brainer for that reason alone. So it sounds like your clients are involved um, from all the way from the lead contact form. I know you guys are taking advantage of the owner portal. Um, then as Zach mentioned, like the online payments as well. Is that something that you guys are kind of actively pushing for and kind of what you think sets you apart is how closely you work with clients? Or is that just something that kind of happens organically and naturally um, with the course of business that you guys are doing? We definitely see it as a differentiator. Um, it's it's a huge selling point. Transparency is a, a core value for us anyway, and builder trend and enabling our client to see everything that's going on in the job just completely goes hand in hand with that. So the owner invoicing and payments, um, you know, the app, all, all of the schedule visibility, the to-dos that we use to interact with the client, all of that, um, you know, that interaction is set up early in the process. We almost train the client to interact that way. Um, they see that we're most responsive that way so that we're not getting as many of the one-off calls um, at like six o'clock on a Friday, right? Because they know to go to the app and they'll have the information there. 
um, the, the invoice payments and all that, again, yet another thing that in a small contracting business can feel like a scary thing to let go of, right? right. If you're someone who's used to cutting your own checks and managing all those releases um, manually, maybe even with literally a stamp, right? Like that feels like a tangible control. So figuring out how to translate all that stuff into builder turn was a big part of what um, Mike and I worked on, where it's how can I take an existing phone process that's kind of manual translate that to something that's more automated and builder trend and feel confident that there's an equivalent level of control in that. So ramping that up and getting everybody comfortable was a big part of it. But then on the client side, um, once we already have all that in place, the transparency just builds so much trust because they can see exactly where we're at, where we're trending, um, what's going to be due when it just answers a lot of questions up front. You bring up something that I experienced myself, which is getting your team to buy in and Talk about how you did that. How did you build a culture around a software? And and what were the challenges you faced that you you slowly start to see them come out of that and, and really begin to conquer and, and be the great users that you are of the program? In a pretty short amount of time, too. Like, you yeah. guys have only had your BuilderTrain account a little over a year now, right? Yes, yes. And it was completely new to the to the Snap existing Snap ADU team. Um, how to take their notebooks so. away. Yeah, that's our biggest competitor right now is pen and paper. The old so. Excel file. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, and I mean, I have a sweet spot for Excel too. I think we all do. But like figuring out um, how basically real, when you have the realization that you're not going to be able to keep up with the volume in your old system, folks very quickly become adopters. And we even see that with our subcontractors. I was, oh, really? As we've scaled this business 10x, we've had more and more of our subcontractors start like poking around builder trend. Like suddenly they're like using more of the functionality. They're asking us how they can submit for payment, right? right. Like they start to hmm. see that too. But on our team, what you couldn't have said it more beautifully. It is a culture of having it in builder trend. And when you know as an owner that you've made it, it's when your employees start to ask you, where, where did you put that in builder trend? Right. And they start calling you on it when you're sending emails outside of the system. That's when you know that the culture <laughs> is there. Um, I would say it's like you kind of start to see the matrix, right? Where you kind of, you can't look at builder trend just as a single thread. We often will say it's like a quilt where everything's integrated. Um, and to talk about one part, you have to kind of have this broader understanding. So when we're onboarding new hires now, we, we spend a lot of time talking about that philosophy with builder trend and giving them the overall perspective so they can start to see how everything ties in with the schedule. And it's almost like this, this thread that moves the rest of the quilt around and all that. So it does take some, some doing to get people to that point, but the payoff is just so worth it. It's not even a question that it's, it's worth the training time. Right. And it, I mean, that just sounds like you guys are super forward looking, like not only on the ADU aspect of things, but also just the scalability and knowing where you want to go. Like, yeah, maybe you can get away with current processes if you're doing one or two jobs at a time. But I think you guys said you had over, over 30 active jobs right now and obviously looking to continue to grow there. And that's just something that's not going to be possible unless you, you know, kind of force that culture and force to be forward looking. Exactly. And I think engaging employees in the process development is huge as well, because then they're part of the process. They're getting, giving input like it's it's just so much better that way. And so that's also how you're generating kind of those promoters along the way, not only of, you know, builder trend, but of your processes and um, giving that ownership. So Mike and I are both very uh, big on, on delegating large chunks of responsibility. Um, so that folks have their own um, areas that they can really dig their teeth into. Um, and I think that also helps with adoption because then someone has a reason to like start poking around, figuring out how this works. Um, and suddenly you have somebody else running with it and you're not in the business. Now you're working on the business, which is where you want to be. Well, I think we're actually up against the clock here as far as our, our interview goes. Whitney, it was an absolute pleasure to, to talk to you about 
your processes, your business, what you do, if you have any advice that you could give our listeners who are out there on, on construction, on ADUs, on builder trend, what, what would you tell them if you could give them one final piece of, of takeaway here? I think we'll go with uh, ruthless prioritization, uh, both in your own personal work and in the work of the company. Knowing what your lane is, knowing what you're good at, getting extremely good at that core allows you to then decide where you're going to expand. Um, so I think that that's been the secret to our success. We focus very early on on ADUs in San Diego. We're you know, at some point going to be able to expand um, when we're ready into other markets. But focusing on that core, just prioritizing exactly what you're what you're good at has been the secret to our success. Ruthless prioritization. I love that. I feel like you've dropped some big time one liners in this interview, Whitney. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate that. Um, Snap ADU, uh, if anyone's listening in the San Diego area, uh, we'll link the website um, in the show notes after this. Um, otherwise, Whitney, thank you so much for your time uh, and, and all you do to be such a, a huge promoter of Builder Trend. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of The Building Code. Make sure you subscribe and like wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Zach, go ahead and tell them where they can uh, go out for additional information. If you're on social media, join The Building Code crew on Facebook. And finally, drop us a line at the podcast at buildertrend.com. We want to hear from you. Suggestions, guests, topics, anything goes, Charlie. Data, whatever data, it has to be. A lot of data. Thank we you so much for joining us, guys. Um, we'll catch you next time.